what's up and welcome back to nostalgia pod giving you the snyder cut of our podcast this week my name is pat sheehan joined by my co-host dave martin swagger dave release the snyder takes i take great pride that we do not make three-hour podcasts like other people out there we are concise and efficient and that's part of the appeal yeah i mean you just want to come and find out if you should listen to this album or not, if you should watch this thing or not, uh, and kind of get the lowdown on what's going on in pop culture. That's what we do here. So hit that subscribe button if you're listening uh, on uh, youtube.com slash nostalgiapod. If you're uh, listening any other way, follow us on Twitter at nostalgiapod. Um, yeah, we got a couple of big things today. You know, a lot of big things. This is pretty notable today. It feels like, it feels like there might be like, big things down the pike like if it, i think people are feeling a little bit too relaxed covid wise you know we got locked down down in miami right now uh state of emergency but um even though it's not over 70 million americans are vaccinated you know looking like maybe maybe by end of summer we'll start to be getting concerts and movies again there's hope so and, it, and this weekend felt like an event weekend i'll say yeah, definitely. Uh, on, on the concert front, I, I think it's really just going to be 2022. Kenny Chesney just postponed his tour till next year. A lot of people have already done that. And Taylor Swift straight up canceled her tour, right? Like, it seems like the arena tour stuff, like, they're just going to, they'd rather be late than early with it at this point. So I don't, I think concerts are really, and like, the like big scale events of that magnitude are really the last things to return. But movie, movie, movie going, you know? LA, NYC are back. We are seeing that slowly come back in the box office. I think that'll continue to be a very slow growth, you know? But we're getting there, in a sense. We're getting there. That's something. For sure. Do you think Governor's Ball will happen? Currently yeah. slated for September? No. No, yeah. I think so. I think the, the, no movies festivals this year. And go balls to the fucking wall, twenty twenty two. I I, I want to go to Coachella in twenty twenty two. Fuck it. Ah, well, Dude, I think a lot of people have shared that in in the pandemic, that like the sense of regret and longing for missed opportunities at this point. Do it now, you know. There's there's no time like 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 now. And by now, I mean twenty twenty two. Well, Dave, you can uh, you can do the that podcast with your flower crown on from the field in Coachella. Looking forward Me and to Vanessa that. Hudgens. <laughs> um why don't we start though today with maybe not necessarily an event album but definitely one that took me by surprise as being probably my favorite album of the weekend benny the butcher dropping the sequel the plugs i met too uh with harry fraud um yeah you know going into this i mean aware of benny as you know guy who puts out pretty solid music i'd say i i would very much consider him like a what bc tier rapper at this point but really just putting out like quality stuff um most of the time even if it's not always like must listen always pleasurable and i found this album to be really really solid start to finish i put it on for a run and i was like yeah we'll see where benny's gonna take me and it was like the perfect vibe for my run running Uh, on that cocaine yeah exactly so what did you think of um benny the butchers the plugs i met too yeah, well, I think that's the thing with the whole Griselda crew, Benny, uh, chief among them, is that because they release so much music, there, there, there definitely is like some ups and downs, but the floor is is quite evidently high, yeah. and it's never like really bad. You know, it's just it might not stand out as say songs you already heard from them before or something, and you know, Griselda's they they've been cooking for a while this crew out of Buffalo and it's just been waiting for a time to get in because they've been ma- making so much music. I mean, just in 2020, you know, you had the November 2019, you get that Griselda group album, Conway, the machine, West side gun, Benny the butcher. They're all related. And since then, 2020, Benny dropped an album in a tape. Conway dropped three albums and West side gun dropped three albums. So if you are into Griselda, if you are into this, technical ability throwback rap sample heavy uh 90s indebted style they're flooding the zone with this and are definitely the most popular people doing it at this time um and it's kind of cool to see like real throwback rappers finding a lot of uh success in this regard and the 
few of them are, you know, Rock Nation managed at this point. I think Empire distributes for Griselda Records. So uh, the come up is is well known. And Benny got a lot of accolades for Burden of Proof, his album last fall. Mm-hmm. But getting the sequel to The Plugs I Met, which was probably the breakout uh, tape from him, that's definitely my favorite project of his. Uh, unexpected again. I feel like that's kind of how they make music is it just, it just comes out when it comes out. And like, oh, there's more Griselda to listen to. Sick. And because it's that those guys, in this case, Benny, uh, it's usually pretty good. And like Harry Fraud, I've liked Harry Fraud primarily from his Action Bronson collaborations, but he's a you know, New York based producer. He's done a lot of stuff. Um, he definitely uh, came into play on the plugs I met too. I think it's like, again, it, it really has that throwback vibe going yeah. on. And Benny's such a nice storyteller that it's a great match. Yeah. No, it, it, it's a very smooth album, I'd say. It really flows from one track to another. And I think even more impressively, it feels like Benny's album, but he definitely lets some, uh, some guests come in and show off on this and then takes the reins right back. And, um, you know, that old school vibe you're talking about, I feel like we talk so often about like Chance the Rapper being like the best like late night host rapper ever because he just kind of like lets people come on and shine and almost like overtake him sometimes on his songs. Um, And I mean, Chance has had his fair share of like going on and murdering guest verses too. So not, not to bag on Chance necessarily, but um, I really feel like to have that control of the album where you can let someone else shine like two chains on this, I thought gave an excellent verse, Um, (laughs) you know, and then kind of take the energy right back is pretty impressive. Yeah, I'll say uh, two chains on plug talk. I thought was a pretty choice feature because the, the synergy made a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Two chains like Benny the Butcher and the rest of Griselda, a rapper that found mainstream acceptance and success a little older in life than the average rapper usually does. So I thought that made a lot of sense there. I was actually quite impressed on overall featuring Chinks because Chinks, of course, mm-hmm. is a New York rapper who was killed uh, back in 2015. So actually fine. I think it, really solid performance posthumous performance so long after the death kind of surprised me i think that song's really good yeah no i i actually really liked the the very like first like four or five tracks a lot even like fat joe coming in i was like oh fat joe <laughs> this is kind of yeah. fun uh, gotta say uh fat joe dropping the china virus line at the worst possible yeah. time just a fucked up thing to say and yeah. he did acknowledge the that hand flu yeah cool. uh he said that he recorded that a year ago like right before this pandemic started i was like hey even if that is 100 percent true both him and benny and uh empire like uh you know you can edit this out later right like right. that that's unforgivable i think especially the timing like come on man read the room yeah no absolutely but um what else did you like about this album or what what surprised you yeah i mean it's just the vibes man yeah, the, the the storytelling I think, especially towards the end, song like "Survivor's Remorse," Benny the Butcher, um, like the Griselda guys, is about that life. Was about that life. He survived a robbery attempt and got shot. And the last year, uh, Conway has Bell's palsy on his face because of a shooting. Like these guys are are real in that regard, and they have stories to tell. And a song "Survivor's Remorse," you, you can imagine what that's about. So. It's just the storytelling and again over like the crisp throwback vibes that Harry Fraud is really adept at bringing. You know, it's it's really pleasant and also you know refreshing because you don't get a lot of rap in this traditional sense these days. Yeah, no, absolutely. Any tracks you want to shout out? Any that we should add to the playlist? Yeah, I already mentioned overall with Jinx and Plug Talk with Two Chains. I like those ones a lot, but I nothing really uh, you know didn't stand out to me i thought longevity was cool because again nice to hear from jim jones mm-hmm. fellow new yorker <laughs> jim jones definitely not the most active rapper these days but thought that was actually pretty good as well yeah no i agree i, I think we'll probably add uh, plug talk to the playlist check that out now Stelger best of 2020 it'll be in the show notes 2021 uh, 2021 yeah let's not go back to 2020 uh lana del rey dave Back in 2019, dropped one of our favorite albums, Norman Fucking Rockwell, and uh, unexpectedly, yes, yeah. not we were not Landell Ray fans going into that by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and I, I think that that's kind of the thing is it felt like at that point Lana was finding this like ability to take her like 
Americana kind of like weird vibes into like folk. It, it, yeah, into like folk mainstreamness, and it all kind of worked. And it seemed like Jack Antonoff, like had kind of like been the 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 coach she needed to get the best out of her. And it was just exciting because it felt mm-hmm. like okay, Lana's finally like arrived for like the mainstream, like beyond right. the. I mean, as as you expect from Jack Antonoff being so involved, there was a hint of pop medley, uh, uh, melody on a lot of those tracks without it compromising the, the vibe and expectations you expect from Land Ray. So as you said, it was, it felt like a, uh, a new high for sure, but also like a, a chance for like, for more obviously, but uh, chemtrails over the country club, an album she had announced in one form or another soon after Norman mm-hmm. fucking Rockwell finally here after some delays and uh, Jack Antonoff still involved, but I don't think it's going to give many people the same impression as the last one did which had many Grammy nominations as a result. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we'll, we'll get to this, but with a lot of the, the Jack stuff we've heard, at least from the production side recently, it's been a lot of like stripped back, toned back type stuff. You know, potentially this is a result of, you know, COVID quarantine, you know, people being a little bit more like introspective with their just lived experience right now. But you know that 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 continues on chemtrails over over the country club and even though i think there's some still like still some like really standout moments for me on this album um and i still think the album's like decently good uh does not come close to norman fucking rockwell for me and i feel a bit let down honestly yeah i definitely feel let down just because there was not a lot of songs that i was like i, I want to hear that one again you know because again i was not a lot fan going in so a lot of those early hallmarks of hers um you know didn't re- didn't really do much for me but on more fucking rockwell songs like the greatest and the doing time cover and mary's apartment complex and venice bitch being apart from the weird instrumental outro on that song but like a lot of those songs because jack was given just a hint of melody and pushing lana just the right way uh those songs are actually like really sticky and like re-listenable and i think in this case it feels a lot like the old stuff um mm-hmm. and that's just not appealing to to what what i what i want to hear from her um i think there's some moments but yeah just generally i think the lack of like accessible pop melody on this one yeah and, and like just i think also it's kind of like more stripped down more acoustic again like right it, it, there's just not a lot for me to latch on to yeah this is real like folk americana lana del rey being weird type stuff i mean even at some points kind of delves into country and um you know i i think there's like some moments that i really really love so for example um i think uh dark but just a game uh was a real standout for me um it's toned down but it has this like r&b-ness to it um just like really like it's like th- that track is all about the vibes for me um I really thought uh, like the moment in wild at heart when Lana's like washed out vocals, like shift to like the more like clear and like concise and like the guitars kind of come in. I thought that was a great moment. Saw you shaking your head. Yeah. Wild at heart is definitely the highlight on the album for me. Just the way that whole song builds up to the, to the chorus. I think that that one's really great. And most reminds me of NFR. Rockwell. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I also think, uh, not all those who wonder are lost. I mean, it, it, on the one hand, the track is kind of a whatever to me, but I'm thinking about the TikTok, the TikTokness of it all. And Lana has certainly had a number of her songs turned into TikTok trends. Um, I think this is one that we'll see on social media posts, on TikToks of like travel posts and things like that for a long time. Um, so good for her for you know <laughs> making that track that's going to get played over and over. I even think a, a track like uh, "Let Me Love You Like a Woman" was pretty good. I mean, it's washed out and plotting, but it feels like a like a really intimate love song. And while I think Lana does, does a good job of like storytelling a lot in her songs, none of it ever feels like super incredibly personal. It all kind of feels a bit like she's telling someone else's story. And I think that's the probably the thing that stood out most to me on this is it really feels like she tried to be a little bit more vulnerable for her own experience on this. Although I don't know if, if that made the songs as gripping as I was hoping for. Yeah. I kind of been waiting for her to 
tackle all the public uh, grief she often gets due to the things she says and, and you know, the comments she makes uh, again right after Nora Fucking Rock and all the, the most critical claims she had gotten for her whole career. Uh, there was many new news cycles regarding things she said and did and all that, right? And I think if you think about Nora Fucking Rock, well, they're actually like really memorable quotables on that from song to song usually about like men and relationships she's had with men but like she she knows how to make like punchy like like bars almost when she wants to and I, I would like to hear that from her and by all means if you want to talk your shit and piss people off cool why not bring that into the music I think it would add more personality um again I, I found I found a lot of this pretty inaccessible um you know, normal fucking rock claw. You had a Sublime cover doing time, which I think was awesome. This time at the end, you get a Joni Mitchell cover of "For Free." How did you feel about going back to the cover well here? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't mind if she's going to make this like something she does on her albums, and you can do worse than covering Joni Mitchell. We like thought, Miley Cyrus doing it last yeah. year, and uh, I thought it really fit for the, the whole vibe of the album. Um, you know, so I, I was okay with it. I actually really liked. The track uh, "Breaking Up Slowly" though with Nikki Lane, uh, I thought Nikki Lane's vocals really stood out to me on this whole thing. You know, you get a lot of Lana and a lot of like washed out stuff uh, on this, but she really shone through at that that point. So I was really impressed with with that track too. So uh, I mean, I don't think it's her best stuff. I don't think it's necessarily terrible music. I just think it's you know this trend of being stripped back. Now I do have to say, Dave, the next Ansonoff project we probably know of is Lord. Is this stripped back acoustic trend going to keep going like folklore and evermore and now chemtrails? Ugh, I had not considered this until you brought it up, but that would be a very unfortunate. I, I can't have Lord's third album be a disappointment. I just can't have that. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to choose not to think about that. But if you like Londray or you don't, you don't have to wait long for more music because she just announced another album or eighth album rock candy sweet is evidently out june 1st 2021 we'll see if the date sticks but she's been working we'll be talking about it too let's uh shift gears though to someone even more famous than lana del rey justin drew bieber so did you know the name yeah did you know that i did not know that yeah justin drew jb jdb uh <laughs> and guess what he dropped i love my wife uh the album i mean but also, I guess, like, with a Martin, from chance. But also, yeah, but also a Martin Luther King quote in there. We'll uh, get to that. Very odd. It, Justice dropped. And, uh, you know, if you listen to Justin Bieber's uh, album Changes in, what was that, last year, 2020, early? Yep, February uh, 2020. Pretty forgettable album. Um, I would say probably the worst stuff he's put out it seemed just incredibly uninspired at that point uh go check out our review to hear deeper thoughts on that but you know i thought some of the the singles are coming out of this weren't too bad i thought holy was catchy um i i, I didn't mind uh what was the other single that came out um lonely mm -hmm. i thought lonely was okay so i was like you know what maybe we're gonna get something a little bit different here from these maybe we're gonna uh, be back to the old Bieber, but after listening to the rest of this album, I felt like we're kind of still just in this like he's yeah. happy, but not super, not making super interesting music. What did you think? Huh. Interesting, interesting. So I think it's important to remember that Changes was five years in the making. You know, it was a long time since Purpose, the highs of Bieber's career, and we've get to Changes. And it's unequivocally the most disappointing album of 2020. The album was bad. Yummy, the lead single sucks, right? Despite <laughs> hey, the isn't perplexing Grammy nomination. Grammy nomination. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and you know, that album was not well received. Important to remember, though, Justin Bieber, currently the number two artist on Spotify, Changes was the eighth best selling album of 2020 globally. It was successful for Justin Bieber, but. I kind of had a hint that he wasn't and he didn't end up satisfied with how it all went because we started getting those singles pretty quick, man. You mentioned them. Holy and Lonely comes out. Monster with Sean Mendes. And on those three tracks, 
lyrically, it's like, oh, wait, Justin is actually like somewhat grappling with like the layoff he had and like growing up in a certain sense in the public eye. It's like interesting to hear that because before what changes, it was like, oh, I'm just happy Justin Bieber's back and on the right path in his personal life. Right. But now he's actually bringing that into his music. That's cool because we weren't getting any of that on changes. Right. Changes was this really melodramatic uh, mm-hmm. He want he wanted to call it R and B. He wasn't really R and B, but like it was just uninspired and not not really interesting. Right. And you know, justice. It's not it's not purpose. Clearly, there's nothing. There's no what do you mean or sorry on this. It's not that far. That thing is a lot closer to what he should be trying to do. Um, you know, song to song. I think inserting um, Martin Luther King Jr. speeches as samples, both in the I believe the first track. Uh, and then that uh, MLK interlude song that that's uh, ill-advised. Let's say he, he's talked about wanting to use his platform for raising awareness and, you know, but it, it just, it has nothing to do with the rest of the album and feels awfully performative to me. I think we can just completely remove that. No one was going to hold it against you if you didn't talk about current affairs on your pop album, you know, but I think there's some clear moments and some clear songs on justice they're just leagues better than anything we got on changes. So I'm just happy we are at least an upward trajectory in a certain sense. I agree. It's better for sure. Um, I still just don't think this comes close to where he was before. Um, and, you know, <laughs> to kind of just circle back to what you were saying about the Martin Luther King and stuff, definitely should use the platform to talk about the injustices that are out there. And there's plenty to choose from. Um, for me, it's just uh, the the rest of the album wasn't about this stuff. Like it really was just about he's very content with his life and being in love with his wife. And he tried really with one song to be like, ah, sometimes I'm not so happy or sometimes I get anxious on unstable. Um, but otherwise, the rest of it really is just like Haley Baldwin, you are the best thing that ever happened to me, and I'm very happy to work together. Cool, good for you. You know, it's probably true. It seems like it is true. She was a very positive influence on his life. Great for them. But uh, yeah, it, it's a little one note most of the time. For sure. Definitely learned something from Chance after they made Holy. Well, so w- tell me, what were the tracks that like stood out to you or that you liked a lot? Yeah, so it's an, a thing also important to note that the two songs about to mention are both produced by Louis Bell, one of the most successful mu- producers in pop music. Those would be Deserve You and Die For You featuring Dominic Fike. Deserve You has the Phil Collins kick drums, and boy, does they do they work. I think that song, production-wise, is great. And his vocal pitch actually like changes a lot. I think it's a really good performance from Justin. Uh, and then Die For You, with Fike, that's the 80s new disco everyone's doing, dude, and the song is good. So like those two <laughs> songs right there, I'm like, oh my god! Like maybe he just needed to work with the right people again. Like no offense to Pooh Bear, but Louis Bell knows what fucking buttons to push. He's the reason Post Malone is who he is, you know. So th- those songs like really sent me. Gotta say, yeah, no, I w- I would say um, definitely the one w- with Fike stood out to me. What was it called again? Um, Die for you. Yeah. Um, I thought that one was pretty good. Um, I mean, Die for you really is just like that, like '80s like pop like throwback kind of jam that everybody's going for but it it totally worked and it it sounds so different from everything else in the album i kind of just wish he did more of it like lean into that and it made me think that if he had had if he had been maybe a little bit more mainstream when like daft punk was doing like random access memories i would have loved to have heard him like on a track like that because i feel like he really could have popped off i mean he he was mainstream in 2013 let's not right but i guess like he wasn't really in like the daft punk uh he was his music was still quite evolving as he was like right still a teenager i think so right yeah um what else did you like yeah well i mean to die for you like you said like his verse when he starts that like she's a stranger to the night chef look i think that whole performance again it sounds a lot like the unlike the rest of the album it's like a different kind of style from him and in general i feel like his vocal range like his pitch like whether it's a little more washed out in some of these choruses or he's actually really just singing his heart out on some of the verses like he's actually like doing a, a lot on this and again stark contrast the changes which just felt so you know down the middle one note almost monotone you know like it just god changes yeah. sucks uh, <laughs> i also really liked a ghost i think that's actually one of, like the better like combinations of like 
lyrics and like still trying to make a big pop song. And then uh, Peaches also with Daniel Caesar and Giveon. Um, that one's got a music video out now. I think that one's really good. I, I like Bieber's performance on that. And I also just love the look for Giveon. Like he's like probably top two male R&B these days. This is a great look for him. And also giving a look to uh, uh, Burna Boy. Not that Burna Boy's an unknown, but again, if just using his platform to put some, uh, you know, maybe lesser known artists to his ca- his casual fans is a nice, nice bonus, I guess. Yeah, no, certainly. I was I was glad to see Burner Boy on this for sure. I mean, I think it's funny because when I think about Bieber, I don't necessarily think about the albums that much. I think about the no. singles. Um, and like you said, nothing reaches the highs of, uh, you know, a lot of the songs off purpose. I mean, just I, went, I was back looking at the track list on purpose before and that that three song run what do you mean sorry and love yourself all three in a row on the album it's like okay just turn the album off after that like Mm. those three are just the best songs some of the best songs ever made i was listening to company as well off purpose this weekend and you know that that's like heavy heavy electronic song maybe Mm. daft punk and him could have done more of that you know that's true initial suggestion yeah i mean he he was also doing where are you now with jack you at that point so uh, right. i mean was that uh who's in jackie was that skrillex and skrillex? diplo skrillex yeah, is actually on right. two of these songs on justice funny enough skrillex man haven't talked about him in a while yeah i mean been it, waiting for a new skrillex album it is nowhere to be found we got a porter robinson album on the way though right yeah that is a long time coming as well <laughs> um justin bieber is definitely on the right trajectory now um we'll definitely have one of his tracks on the playlist. Dave, any parting thoughts on the Biebs? Drew. JD. <laughs> you should go by JD. Let, let, let's get the, the Justin AB. rebrand going. JD. Damn. JD. That, that, that'd be a tough rebrand, I think, for him. Yeah. He's probably the most famous JB at this point. So oh, for sure. At least in terms of SEO purposes. I don't know if he can go for a new set of initials. That might not be the best branding. <laughs> um, why don't we move on to some television now? Back to Marvel, Dave. We got a week off from WandaVision. One and we're week. right back. It's been um, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney Plus dropped. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of, I'm seeing a lot of uh, some like middling takes on this, right? I'm seeing people feeling like, eh, you know, WandaVision was, was weird and it allowed itself to be weird. And this just feels like, what Marvel was doing on Netflix before. Is this really what we want? And Dave, I gotta say, I kind of agree. I found this to be it's kind of a pretty boring episode of television. And, you know, obviously they got a lot of groundwork. They're setting stuff up. They're trying to build these characters up and what the storyline's going to be for the season. But uh, yeah, I did not find myself super interested. How are you feeling after watching the Falcon and the Winter right. Soldier. So it's important to note that Falcon and the Winter Soldier is only six episodes, and critics only got to see the first episode in advance. So there's no, no one really knows what's coming and whether anything gets paid off, right? So we really only have to go off this premiere. And yeah, this, this confirmed the fears I had about this show after the, seeing all of WandaVision. I, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Marvel world being enough to interest me anyway uh and falcon winter soldier episode one teases some like thoughts about some interesting themes particularly about sam wilson as a black public figure and taking on the mantle of captain america and what that could mean to the rest of the country and to him as a black man do i have a lot of confidence they're actually going to tackle that in a meaningful way no flat out no i don't have that confidence you know, uh, Anthony Mackie actually has criticized uh, Marvel's behind-the-scenes diversity uh, in terms of the movies he's worked on. Like, apart from Black Panther, it was not a good track record. But I, I still don't know if that, that managed to find its way into the storytelling, right? And Sam Wilson and, and Bucky Barnes, I don't know if there's enough there on the bone to make anyone super invested. So what you get is just, as you, as you kind of said before... It's just kind of basic Marvel stuff. And to some people, that's more than enough. You know, again, they're spending a lot of money on this. So the action looks, you know, more or less movie level. So like, it's fun. And I'm sure it's mm-hmm. going to be fun. And it's cool to see like returning characters. Like we got a little cameo from Rhodey and we know uh, Sharon Carter 
Emily Van Camp's character from the Captain America movies and uh, Zemo from Civil War. Like, we know they're coming back. So, like, I guess that's cool to see. But, like, I, I don't think it's going to even attempt to to be transcendent, you know? So, like, I, I mean, WandaVision definitely stopped being weird towards the end and got a little more conventional Marvel, but it still had a lot more going on. And I just don't have a lot of faith in Falcon Winter Soldier being more than just kind of a straightforward story. Yeah, I'm... So one of the things in terms of like the press beforehand that I was most intrigued by was uh, uh, Anthony Mackie, I think in one of the interviews said that they have some sequences of action in this that will like mar- uh, rival John Wick. And I was like, oh, that's sick. I can't wait to see like the stunt choreography and how they kind of set this all up. But then I, I kind of took a step back and I was like, yeah, but a lot of the Marvel movies now have really great stunt choreography and you know we have some we have like blade coming up which i'm sure is going to have like fucking sick choreography like this it's probably not going to even compare to a lot of this stuff and am i really watching a television show just to see people fight and that i mean you you can't certainly that so for some people that's all they really want to get out of these and that's fine but i think especially following something like wandavision you kind of look and say like what's the angle here like what is going to set this show apart and I just don't know if they have enough with this show that with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier to keep things interesting. I think if they do kind of use what happened at the end of the episode in terms of like the new Captain America and then, you know, like grappling with if Anthony Mackie or uh, Sam, is it Sam Wilson his name? Yes, Falcon to Sam Wilson. Yeah. Sam Wilson, um, you know, as the black Captain America, like what that would be like that's a really interesting show to explore. I just don't think Marvel has the guts to go there. No. And like, I don't know. I don't know about you, but like, I don't give a fuck about Bucky at all, dude. Like <laughs> I, going into Falcon, the winter soldier, I actually rewatched uh winter soldier and civil war. I hadn't rewatched. Winter soldier is great. Since they come up and winter soldier definitely holds up. That's definitely earned its reputation as top tier Marvel film has a lot of fans. Uh, because I just watched Winter Soldier, I actually recognized that George St. Pierre's character mm. came back in the Falcon episode one as a like a goon villain dude from uh, the movie. So I was like, oh, wait, I, I just saw this dude. Huh? That's that's cool, I guess. Some random ass villain who doesn't really matter. Um, hey. But like Bucky, man, Bucky's fucking killer, bro. I don't <laughs> care if he was in control or not. Bucky fucking murdered people, dude. Tons yeah. of people. It's like really stark in in Winter Soldier, by the way. Like he like blatantly just fucking guts people out, dude. It reminds me a lot of like Jason Statham being brought back into the mix in the Fast and Furious movies after he kills Han. Now Han's back, but you know what I mean? And it's like everyone just kind of accepted that like we're forgiving Bucky. And like now we're now in the show, we're going down the road of he's making amends and trying to get over this PTSD and he has his mind back. And it's like, I guess that's cool and all, but I just don't feel like I care enough about Bucky without Steve Rogers. I don't know. Yeah. Like, like this is a show that like, I, it makes sense. Marvel's making as much shit as they possibly can. Sure. Here's like your continuation of the Captain America movies in a certain extent without Steve. I understand why this show exists, mm-hmm. but I'm really skeptical of them actually taking it in super interesting place. And, and I like Zemo by the way. Like, I, yeah. I thought he was one of the better villains. So, like, there's potential, and, like, you have, um, what's his name? Uh, coming in as, uh, the new Captain America, like, the U.S. Uh, oh, Asian Wyatt, character in the right. comics, Wyatt Russell. Wyatt Russell. So, like, uh, there, there's some there's some cool ideas there, maybe how he conflicts with Sam Wilson. So, I'm obviously gonna give, uh, you know, Malcolm Spellman, Carrie Scoglin, and crew, like, I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt here, but I'm just quite skeptical. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm I'm definitely going to keep watching, um, but I think if, if there's not something that comes out of this that like leaves me feeling like okay, this really captures my interest, I really might just be like tuning into the Marvel shows, just like the ones I just am interested in, instead of it being like appointment viewing. And that's what I'm worried about with this. Yeah, that, I don't know. I don't know if it it holds enough gravitas for me. Well, that's the thing. You think about the future of Marvel and Disney Plus, and like there's some stuff that seems legitimately intriguing. Like, I actually think Loki, 
that trailer did a great job of actually making it feel compelling as like a kind of like a heist, like, uh, you know, fun vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like it never tried to be anything but kind of straight down the middle, like more of an action show, right? right? So like Loki sounds cool and Hawkeye TBD and Moon Knight. Obviously, we want to see Oscar yeah. Isaac because Moon Knight is a new character, right? Miss Marvel yeah. show the same way. But like this, like, I don't know, like, are you stoked about Armor Wars with, with Rhodey <laughs> and Don Cheadle? You know, yeah, see, what, I, what is that going to be like? I, I think that that's actually a really good point. It's like Marvel, the where stage four is going in terms of the movies is so diverse and so interesting and in so many like weird new directions. It's like, yeah, give me that stuff. But the television show, it's like, I don't know. I'm not not totally sure. I'm like, but I mean, like, like you mentioned a couple there that sound interesting. But yeah, the roadie stuff, like. No way. And I think that's the thing, too. Like, if you're, like, deep in the MCU, I think WandaVision, whether a lot of it's consequence or not, you knew Wanda was going to progress in a certain sense. And we knew she was going to be back in Doctor Strange, too. And Monica's going to be in Captain Marvel, too. So you felt like there was actually some progression here. It just feels like Sam and Bucky and everyone else involved. Like, it just feels like kind of like a dead end. Mm -hmm. Like, we are so far away from any of these guys popping up and a team-up movie again if they ever do so i feel like in a sense this and armor wars and who knows maybe hawkeye as well feels like a bit of wheel spinning like hawkeye yeah. we, we we've got to get a feeling like they maybe they'll spin that off right with Haley steinfield's kate bishop and they just announced mm-hmm. another spin-off in the works with a different character so like that makes more sense to me but falcon the winter soldier I've, I, i'm afraid it might just feel like a dead end yeah I mean, we'll see. I, I like both uh, Sebastian Stan. I, I like all the actors in this. Yeah. Anthony Mackie's great. So I really hope that it, it ends up being more interesting than thinking it's going to be. But man, if, if the second show they put out is just a huge dud, I feel like that's not a good start to this and TV. It's funny. Picture. They wanted this to be their first show. If COVID hadn't happened, this would have been the first show coming out in 2020. Tough, 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 tough. Um, all right. Well, why don't we move from one superhero universe to another? Because Dave... <sighs> After long laps, we finally got the Snyder Cut. I mean, I can't believe it. <laughs> really, like when when we first talked about it after we saw Justice League, what like four years ago now? And the 2017 it came out. Uh, we, you know, there's already the hashtags release the Snyder Cut, and obviously Zack Snyder stepped away from the project after his uh, daughter, um, you know commit suicide and i mean rightfully so anyone would do that and joss whedon came in and kind of made a movie that was i think a little bit lighter in tone um that you know was a little bit more just like down the middle and everything we heard from the actors involved and people involved this is not what they had signed on for that you know people were bagging on some of the cgi you had Henry Cavill, who had the CGI mustache taken out. Yeah. It's just like Mission Impossible, baby. Yeah, which worth it. Worth worth keeping the mustache. That movie rules. Totally worth it. Um, but you know, people were saying, "Ah, oh, this this doesn't do Zack Snyder justice." So he got his justice, and <laughs> HBO gave him the money, and he came back and he made the project he wanted to make. Dave, is the Snyder Cut better than the original Justice League? Yeah, I'd say it's better. Does that make it good? No, it doesn't. (laughs) But I'd definitely say it's better. And I think, you know, when we watched Justice League, and I think it was November 2017, you know, we we knew some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff, but we didn't know everything. We didn't know that we didn't only used apparently like around 10% of what Zach had shot. Mm -hmm. You know, 80 new pages. And the way Ray Fisher puts it, almost everything he was in, he had to redo. So, like... There were substantial changes, and hence why that movie costs $300 million and lost Warner Brothers around $60 million because it just costs way too much money, you know? <laughs> and and that was why I thought the Snyder Cut was just so far out of the realm of possibility because uh, it was already a sunk cost, Justice League, to just, just give it up, right? Mm-hmm. But they ended up giving Zach $70 million more million to do some reshoots. Remember, when we talked about the Snyder Cut existing when there was that big you know official announcement about it the official announcement didn't tell us that he was reshooting anything yeah it was just like new adr like new lines and stuff and just using what his cut footage was we didn't know he was getting 70 fucking million more bills to work with right so it's just kind of funny how the information has come out from from back when it all started right 
Mm-hmm. But obviously, you know, huge campaign to restore Zack Snyder's uh, uh, vision. Original vision. You know, his creative vision. And uh, we found we, we did get that, you know, and Zack definitely played into that along the way, sharing storyboards and sharing mm-hmm. screen caps and stuff. And, you know, I think the, uh, the clamoring for the Snyder cut, you can go uh, multiple ways with it because obviously they did a lot of good, like a lot of those fans raised a lot of money for suicide uh, prevention and stuff like that. Obviously quite commendable. There's also some nastiness to it and a lot of negativity fired at people that work at Warner Brothers uh, who weren't like openly supporting restoring any aspect of what Slander had done. So it's a complicated story. And I think there's a lot you can read about this. Um, Some direct stories made, uh, you know, interviews with Zach. Uh, Vanity Fair did a great job. They actually went to the mm-hmm. set when he was reshooting. And also, there's a profile in the New York Times. So there's a lot of information you can officially, on the record, read about this stuff. I advise people to check that out. It's good to kind of get the official word after all the rumor mongering that's gone on since 2017. Um, and of course, Ray Fisher's stuff still feels kind of ongoing, given his you know allegations against Joss Whedon and also the WB yep. brass. But anyway, uh, what we got, right? $70 million more dollars in the, in the can. And you got four hours and two minutes. Zack Snyder's Justice League. And uh, not only that, but it's presented in a pseudo 4-3 aspect ratio, which uh, would be preferable for IMAX, apparently. Maybe we get an IMAX release of this in the future. Thought that Maybe. was a little funny. Um, yep. Didn't end up bothering me watching yeah. it. But... Uh, yeah, man, it's four fucking hours. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the original Justice League was what, like two and a half, I think? No, it was two. That's a thing. Only two. Like, yeah, they cut it down to make it, it more. It was lopped the fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, w- what do we really get from the new stuff? We get a lot more cyborg, cyborg backstory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we get a, a more Barry Allen backstory. Yeah. He doesn't have backstory originally. That's all cut out in the theatrical. And then we get some more cgi fight scenes you know which look awesome i think uh you know the slow down action uh got to be a little much for me like i wanted to just like i just want some of these scenes to, like get going i was like okay yeah, like, we, we could have saved 10 minutes if we didn't do some slow slow motion stuff yeah it was some of it got to be a little redundant to me but i mean in in all in all i, I found myself feeling like this vision made more sense and it also made more sense in terms of like giving Snyder this role of making the the Avengers like movie of DC you know Mm -hmm. for whatever whatever way we have to compare the two unfortunately um and he definitely set more stuff up and it it feels like okay like I I get where they wanted to take things with this they you know they mentioned the multiverse in this so then you're Mm -hmm. kind of thinking of all these timelines and stuff like it made it a lot more sense for what DC wanted to do I just don't know if it made the movie good well and and I think there's a lot of problems again and Zack Snyder he is not the most subtle or nuanced filmmaker no one would say say anything to the contrary right but there's also some blame to lay at Warner Brothers because they forced him to make one Justice League movie when initially they wanted to do two. And Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League is four hours because he's trying to adequately serve everything he was trying to accomplish in just one film. Again, you're introducing Aquaman, The Flash, and Cyborg for the first time while also being a team-up movie like in Avengers, you know? That is way too much to accomplish in one film. Hence why the two-hour theatrical of Justice League is nonsense. And this is just way too long. So it's clearly bad form. It is not good filmmaking to do it this way. It doesn't make sense. But you understand why it's this long because of, you know, the list of things that had to be checked off. Again, given the uh, initial restraint put on the plan, right? I will say, too. Going into Zack Snyder's Justice League, I rewatched Man of Steel and Batman for Superman Ultimate Edition. I watched nine plus hours of Zack Snyder last week. So I'm fresh. <laughs> Come at me, bro. I'm fresh. And I gotta say, uh, it, it's downward spiral. Like, you know, each one is worse than the last. Hmm. And uh, Batman for Superman Ultimate Edition, you know, a little extra connective tissue with those extra scenes. The hardcore fans were right. It does make it pretty solid. I think that movie's all right. It's all right. Mm-hmm. Man of Steel, I genuinely like. Yeah, Man of Steel. For the last 45 minutes where it's nonstop fighting, I thought it could have been great. And it's one of those movies that you're almost mad it wasn't great. Mm-hmm. You know, 
but I, I like Man of Steel. And this, it's like, and now, like, you know, hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Like, now all the fans want to see where Zack Snyder justly left, leaves off. He's an ambiguous cliffhanger. Martian Manhunter showed up. Obviously, Darkseid is actually present in this version of the film. Darkseid is Steppenwolf. Now. And people want to see, you know, oh, no, Dark fight Side against Darkseid. I understand that. Right. And, like, I think that's been the whole thing. It's like Zack Snyder's vision, Zack Snyder's vision. And the critics are like, you know, well, do we care about Zack Snyder's vision? Is it that good? Again, you know, pointing to what, what we had seen. And like, I, I I see the plan. I see what the vision was. And yeah, it's there's there's flaws all over the place. But at the same time, like you can't help but feel like it's just a colossal bag fumble by WB because you were fucking committed at this point, man, to just cut off the legs like this self-inflicted wound but at the same time now where dc is at now i don't think they can go back and finish this off in any way like i I think they just need to move on right and that's that's the hard thing is where it leaves off with you know uh, big table six chairs with room for more and it's such a i mean i i think what the snyder cut does mean it's four hours so you have plenty of time to give every character their shine and i do think it does a pretty good job of like giving the ball to each character especially cyborg yeah cyborgs i mean backstory really gets fleshed out in this i mean barry allen still there's a lot to go there but we'll maybe eventually get a flash movie it goes in the production next month apparently so sure. it's happening <laughs> and <laughs> next it. year it comes out but it's it's also like i'm i'm sitting there and i'm like this is such a batman centric thing like they're setting him up to be the like I don't know head of the Justice League in a sense, and if in in the comics, which I remember from my youth, Batman was always just kind of like the badass of the Justice League. Like yeah, he did his usually own. Usually, Superman's more the leader. Yeah, yeah, and he was like, "Man, I'm going to do my own thing. F you guys, whatever." And in this, it's like, no, okay, Bruce Wayne is obviously going to be like the old man of all this, which I'm cool with, but I'm also like, Ben Affleck don't want to do this no more. <laughs> like, and and, and that's and that's another interesting part of this, right? Is not everything is necessarily on Warner Brothers, right? You, you can talk to Joe Manganiello, right? He comes back as Deathstroke, and it, we had that uh that scene at the end of Justice League, and the Stinger scene that comes back in this, where he talks to Luther on the yacht, and then in the uh, brand new uh, dream sequence nightmare scene, you get uh, Deathstroke again with a, with a nice new mohawk. But if you talk to Joe Manganiello, he's on the record with Vanity Fair about this. He initially filmed that scene for the end of Justice League because it was supposed to tie into the Batman movie Ben Affleck was going to make. He was going to be the villain to Batman, Deathstroke. And Ben Affleck fell out of that movie. He dropped out in pre-production. So that just completely fell apart. And they basically repurposed that cameo stinger scene to be teasing a future Justice League movie that they didn't make. Right? So it's like there's a lot of stops and starts. Of course, the Flash movie, right? They've been making a Flash movie since before Justice League came out. It's been gone through several writers and several directors. And, you know, leading into this last week when I was really diving in, I I looked up, you know, Captain America, uh, Chris Evans was cast as Captain America about a year earlier than Henry Cavill's cast as Superman. We've got Henry Cavill in three, three and a half movies, and we've got Steve Rogers, Captain America, in seven. Yeah. Or yeah, seven. And DC just like, and like you look at the future, right? And like you, you kind of see what they're doing. They're not like necessarily like super continent. Multiverse, baby. Is multiverse coming in the flash. But like the, the volume of movies is still low. Like we're getting The Suicide Squad coming out in August. And we're getting Aquaman 2 at the end of next year, right after The Flash. And you're getting Shazam 2 in the early 2023. But that's still a four-year gap between Shazam 1 and 2 and Aquaman 1 and 2. How the fuck are you doing that? Aquaman 2 is the, or Aquaman 1 is the highest grossing DC movie ever, $1.4 billion. Why the fuck did it take four years to make a sequel to this? Yeah, you know? uh, it's insane. It, it, and it's it's kind of disappointing because I, I wouldn't have hated to see more Justice League movies. Like, you know, Wonder mm. Woman 1984, we, we talked about it, didn't love it. But I still think Gal Gadot is a great Wonder Woman. I think Batman in this, ver- or I think Ben Affleck in this version of Batman is very interesting. He's, he's, he's a good Bruce Superman Wayne. There's ever been. Yeah, Definitely. So yeah. All these 
all these characters and i don't even hate ezra uh ezra miller as the flash i think he's fine like yeah, you know it's pretty funny it's a take but yeah it's fine and i'm just like man they really like fumbled all of this stuff and i think now it just feels so disjointed i, I wonder if maybe like they ex- they explain something away where like bruce dies and then you know wonder woman takes up the mantle of like running the justice league and you know start branch out to other characters well, i don't know and, and that and that's what's so weird about it right is we know they're making a wonder woman three patty and gal are on on signed on they, they fast track that officially right after 1984 came out probably you know due to the negative reception you know either way we know that's coming so like she's the only constant it feels like her and her and momoa's aquaman yeah like, and, and flash but like the mo- maybe that maybe it's all leading up to flashpoint in the flash right ben affleck yeah. is coming back as well as keaton right like mm-hmm. having affleck actually come back again kind of surprised me and i think now it gives a lot of like hardcore snyder fans like something to latch on to it's like oh no you can convince Affleck to come back again and do that movie. Even Zack Snyder, like, I don't know if Ben wants to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but what we're left with, right, is again, we mentioned it, Flash, Aquaman 2, Wonder Woman 3 eventually, Shazam 2 on the media horizon. Black Adam apparently also going into production in the next month or so. Again, another movie that's been in development and we've been cast for ages at this point. But like, Blue Beetle apparently is coming, uh, going into production in the fall and Michael B. Jordan producing a Static Shock movie. Again, that feels far off. And we just got announced today Emerald Fennell's writing for a Zatanna movie. But at the same time, in about a year, we're getting The Batman from Matt Reeves with Robert Pattinson, which is not connected to this, just like how Joker with Walking in Phoenix was not connected to anything else. Mm -hmm. And I've generally been pretty supportive of the DC plan of just make good stuff and don't necessarily worry about connecting every little thing. Right. But now at this point, I feel like if they try and make a continuation of what Snyder has left here, left us here, you're almost recommitting to that old plan, you know? So I, it's a little confusing, I think. It's definitely confusing. And I think um, I think for where they're at right now, what we know is coming down the pike, we have to kind of take the, the first route that you talk about, where it's like, things will have to connect, just make good movies, and the rest will kind of follow suit. If they can somehow get the the crew back together for a Justice League two, I'd watch it. But if not, and this is what we get, and at least I, I'm at least I'm glad we got to see what it was intended to be. Um, and I think DC fans seem to feel mostly sad about this. And the reviews are so much better for this than the original Justice League. Definitely, so, definitely. Man, I never thought I'd watch a four hour Justice League movie. <laughs> And that's the thing. It's like there's still like flaws to be had. And of course, it's like weird mm-hmm. scenes and stuff. And like you kind of got it's four hours. It's like a lot to ask you to like pay like super close attention to stuff. But there's a lot of like dream sequence scenes before the, the final, you know, uh, one that's making all the headlines. Like there's lots of like those kind of like non full reality scenes that like if you don't pick up on them, you might not understand like some of the motivations going on for what's going on, what the characters are doing. Right. But you know, some scenes that were extended longer, I, I, I liked better, like uh, the Themyscira attack Steppenwolf does to get that mother box. That's like way longer, you know, yeah. that, that was that, that was pretty good. And Steppenwolf redesign actually, I think, kind of works like you, you can like the armor is kind of yeah. cool, I guess. But in I general, like, like Steppenwolf has like a little more under the hood in terms of like motivations to like win back his Again, the good graces of Dark Side and friends and stuff, yeah. and like I, I really talking. sympathize with them this time. N- not even, not even <laughs> that, but like I, you, you feel like you understand like more of what was happening uh, on the villain side versus oh, that's the bad guy. You gotta stop the bad mm-hmm. guy, you know? Right. And like, like, like the anti-life stuff. Like, was that name dropped at all in the theatrical cut? I have no recollection. I did not rewatch the theatrical cut. You know, I gotta say. Um, it's a little hard to watch like the mother box thing again and then be like, Oh, infinity stones, mother boxes, like these fucking MacGuffins yeah. are, uh, you know, they're, they're everywhere in these, these films, which is, is kind of how they go. You know, like you kind yeah. of have to have these things propelled forward. Just as funny. Um, no, I agree. I think like definitely you just get to flesh things out more. Anytime you make a four hour movie, if you somehow don't flesh things out more, that would be a huge whiff. So like he had to, I guess, with this amount of time, <laughs> I wanted to ask though, cause you mentioned it. The dream sequence at the end. Yeah. Why? 
Yeah. Oh, that, that's the thing. That feels like Zach's being like, this was my last crack. They yep. somehow gave me money again. Let's do something cool. He basically said, like, I thought it was a shame that Ben Affleck's Batman and Leto's Joker never got to have a scene together. You know, they, they, there's the cameo scene in the in Suicide Squad 1, but, like, that doesn't really count, right? So it's like, yeah, you know what? Cool. And because we had already seen these, like, nightmare, like, dream alternate realities from Bruce, I guess it makes sense to me. And because we learn more about like what Dark Side was got going on and how Lois is the fucking key, bro. Like I understand like what I understand what it means, but ultimately, yeah, it's like super superfluous, right? But yeah, like, well, it, it's cool to see 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 them all hang out for a second. I think people go a little overboard like praising like the, the interaction between Joker and Batman. Like it was good, I liked it, but like you know, we don't have to take it like too far. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I still don't really love Jetto. Uh, Jared, yeah, Jetto. Wow, Jared Jetto. Leto as the uh, as the Joker. I don't, I don't really find him super compelling. Uh, or, I mean, it, it's definitely a take. Like we've said, it's a take on Batman. I was glad to see the uh, the tattoos gone. That's mm. that was a. Step I always up. appreciate Leto's attempt at trying to be different, even if it's not the best. You know, like at least it, it wasn't a copycat of someone else. They give him that. Um, I guess it just felt so on the nose, but again, it's a dream sequence, so yeah. it's not something that Right. Would... That's the thing. It's, it's it's actually funny to look back on this, too, because in that scene, you have Mira, Amber Heard, and she's talking in this, like, Shakespearean almost accent, which is not what she used in the other scene, nor <laughs> in Aquaman. Mm-hmm. And, I thought, and, like, also, you have that scene um, with Mira and, 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 and Arthur, Aquaman, where they're, like, talking in those bubbles, right? Since the, the first Justice League movie, we got Aquaman from James Wan, and they don't talk in bubbles. So I guess that was just like a matter of like they couldn't reshoot that scene, so they still talk in bubbles in this movie. It's like, yeah. hey, but we got Defoe showing up. He wasn't yeah. in the theatrical cut as a Volko. And was uh, Barry Allen's dad? Who was it again? Uh, Billy Crudup. Yeah, Billy Crudup. Was he in the original one? I don't remember. I think him. I think you get those prison scenes, but you don't get the scene with Kiersey Clemens as Iris. Gotcha. I mean, overall, I, I, like I was saying, I'm glad we got this. And I think uh, I'm, I'm really happy for DC fans. I mean, all this goes to show is if you're annoying enough on the Internet, uh, you, you can get what you want. So are you interested in the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad? I personally am not because I've seen recent David Ayer movies and I don't have any faith in that cut being worth the uh, investment. Yeah, and again, it also, it, it feels like back, why do we let the look backward? You're literally making a fucking new Suicide Squad movie with James Gunn. It's already made. Like, we, yeah. we put that shit to bed. I'm sorry. Uh, like, we're I'm, going we're going this way, not that way. <laughs> like, I am not interested in that at all. So, um, but yeah, I mean, good, good for people. Any last thoughts on the Snyder Cut Deacon? Well, we did kind of touch on this when the news came out, but Tanahasi Coates developing a Superman film. J.J. Mm-hmm. Abrams producing Assumption. It's a black Superman film. Not Clark Kent by Calvin Ellis or something, but black Superman. You know, and J.J. is also apparently developing a Constantine HBO Max show. We know Steve uh, James Gunn right now is shooting a Peacemaker, which is a spinoff of Suicide Squad featuring John Cena's character from the new movie. Got those TV shows coming out. New Superman. Do what's Henry Cavill up to, man? Is he making one? We know Ben Affleck's probably on the way out. He'll be in Flash, and that's probably that's probably it for him. And no one's gonna blame him for that after you know we know why why he's leaving. But if, does it feel like Henry Cavill? There's still there's still nothing in sight for him. Is he ever gonna be Superman again? Again, yeah. he's been in three and a half movies. He was cast in 2011. The thing is, I don't know if there's anyone more perfect to play Superman. Like he really is the perfect casting. Right. And again, I, I would have loved to see a new one where it wasn't the origin story. I think Man of Steel has a lot of ambition and like a lot to really like. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating that like you didn't even make like an Iron Man 2 before you made Avengers with Batman vs Superman. You know, like everyone knows these critiques at this point. But again, you, you can do both. You can make the Ta-Nehisi Coates Superman movie and still keep Henry Cavill going. And again, yeah. again, it feels weird, right? Because like we're going to have a new Wonder Woman and a new Aquaman and the Flash finally, but Cavill's gone. You know, it just feels kind of strange. But it again, like, strange. it's all kind of all over the place. So I just hope the movies are good. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's also like a, a piece of me that feels a little sad. We're probably not going to see Eisenberg as 
Lex Luthor. Yeah, yeah. I, I, even though like I don't know if I loved the, what we did see of it, I wouldn't mind seeing like him just being full bald Lex Luthor. Let's see it. Yeah, give it again. To me. Kind of like Leto, but I think more effectively, he's doing a different interpretation of Lex. He's not trying to copy Gene Hackman nor just do it was always done in the animated shows. Mm-hmm. So I, I like his Lex enough. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 kind of sad talking about this almost in a way because, like you said, there is so much like potential that's just left on the cutting room floor at this yeah. point. So it's weird finality and stuff. Yeah. Meanwhile, again, there's like ten movies in active development. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, why don't we wrap up there? What do we got for next week, Dave? So not a whole lot yet for next week. New music from Vic Mensa and 24K Golden, and also finally the PVOD debut of The Father, the Oscar. Uh, hopeful movie starring a best actor nominee anthony hopkins it's better be good (laughs) made us wait this fucking long better be good that's all i'm gonna say uh well again follow us at nostalgia on twitter youtube.com slash nostalgia pod and check the show notes for our spotify playlist nostalgia best of 2021 we'll see you next week (laughs) 